How's it going, everybody? This is Chris Adams with Beyond the Blind Podcast. You can check us out on iTunes under BTBN or on Podbean under BTBN. Um, If you don't want to use iTunes, don't have iPhone, whatever reason you have for not having it, um, you can uh, keep up with us on social media through Facebook, Instagram, under the same thing, BTBN. Right now, we're doing a giveaway for a duck call. It's one of my own duck calls that I've turned. Um, It's Buckeye Burl, black wood. It's got some stippling on it. I don't know, man. It's a sweet call. I wanted to keep it for myself. It matches my collection. If you haven't checked out my calls, check out Unstable Calls. You will know that that is my favorite combination. About one out of every ten calls, I'm probably going to do something with Buckeye Burl. It's just my favorite. Natural colored. Gray, black, goes together great. Anybody that I do a trade call with, that's what it comes out as. So if you want to grab one that I was trying to keep for myself, I want to give it away to somebody on the podcast, a follower, listener, and uh, not be selfish and give it away to you guys. So go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a review. says The Duck Call. Five stars, four stars, whatever you think this show is worth. Um doesn't matter to me it just matters to me that you guys are listening and enjoying it so leave the review if you want to jump on facebook find the picture of the call it will say on there like share all that type of stuff on the post if you want to share each additional episode and then comment on that post tell me which episode you shared that'll give you an extra entry into the giveaway this is episode 21 i believe 21 so uh Episode 25, I'm going to give it away, cut it off. That'll be the end of May, and uh, we'll give that call away. And I'm going to do it on Facebook. Facebook is easier than having you guys uh, look through all these different episodes and try to figure out who won it. So we'll do it on Facebook for the giveaway. So uh, do all those things when you call. Anyway, today we're going to have Aaron Wingert of Wingert Woodworks up in uh, Kansas City. I believe he lives in one of the suburbs of Kansas City. He's another Missouri guy, and uh, he's the world-famous whistle maker. So, been pretty stoked. I've been going to Aaron for, gosh, so many so many different questions, and he's the, uh, the Finnish master. If Aaron says it, and uh, he's probably tried it, like if I have a question about finishes or about something, if, if Aaron says it, I take it as gospel. The, the guy knows what he's talking about, and he's not going to waste your time. So I've been really excited to uh, talk to him, and without further ado. All right, what is going on, brother? How are you? Hey, I'm good, Chris. Thanks for having me on, bud. Yeah, man, no problem. I appreciate you taking some time out of the nights and shop time to do this. Yeah, this is this is prime shop time. This is this is when I do my thing. Yeah. Well, nobody <laughs> knows what time it is. Upstairs, and I'm. Uh, it's my it's my time to be it's it's, it's my me time. That's right, and well, it's it's 10 p.m. Nobody knows what time it is, but call makers hear that prime time and they're like, "Oh, everybody else must be asleep." Yep, yep. That's uh, that's pretty much you know I'm down here in my little semi soundproof basement, and uh, you know you can't you can't use the loud tools, but I can I can spin calls and run the bandsaw just fine. Heck yeah, man! That's uh, it's always amazes me. I uh, I've turned. 
two different garages in my house setups. I had a, you know, I, that doesn't even make sense. It's been a long day. I got up at four thirty, but, uh, and both of my houses, they were in the garage and I've always blown and tuned calls in the middle of the night. And <laughs> I've always gone inside and asked, I'm like, can you hear that? Does that bother you? And everybody's like, Oh no, I can't even hear it at night. And I'm like, well, that's good. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. So I live in Kansas City in a suburb, and you know, unfortunately, we're not out in the country by any stretch. So but my neighbors next door are really cool, and, and you know, they know that I'm going to be out there making, you know, blowing turkey calls, duck calls, and things. I go out in the backyard because you, you know, in the basement, I don't get you don't get the right sound. Right, you, know, you get you that you bouncing off the walls. Yeah, back in the days when I built a lot of turkey calls and duck calls, so I'd walk them out the back door and and do it in the backyard. And we had a we had a deal with the city where they were they kind of were looking at like imminent domaining our houses, all that. So I'm going door to door, neighbor to neighbor, and I meet my neighbors that are two doors down. You know, we just kind of casually would wave and stuff usually, but I'd never really met them. And it's two guys. You know, and so I'm sitting in in what feels like kind of an awkward situation. These guys live in a room, and they're a little flamboyant, you know. And they're they're like, "Hey, we've got a question. We've got to ask you. Do you have like ducks and turkeys and stuff and geese <laughs> in your backyard?" And I kind of look at them. I'm like, "What?" And they were like, "No, no, no. It's totally cool. We think urban farming is awesome." And I'm like. Uh, I built duck and turkey calls for hunting, and they were like, "We'd like to shoot them," and I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> it made it even more awkward. It was fantastic. That's freaking so, hilarious, man. But yeah, with duck whistles, I don't, you know, that that I don't have to run out in the backyard. Uh, my neighbors probably appreciate it. So. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I always get a uh, crazy looks, and then everywhere the neighbors are always. They know pretty pretty damn quick when you start doing it, and oh, yeah. everybody just knows you're the duck call man. So where <laughs> where at in Kansas City are you at? I live in a little town called Mission. It's, Mission, uh, like eight miles south of downtown. Okay, so. right on, right on. I'm from Springfield, so I'm pretty yeah. pretty familiar with Kansas City. I frequent your area for work, man. I'm down there about weekly, it seems. No, oh, no so. joke. I. Yep. I haven't been up to Kansas City as much lately. We went up uh, right before all the COVID nonsense started kicking off and went to Powerlight, all the touristy nonsense. But yeah, most of my family (laughs) lives up in Kansas City, both sides of the state. Nice, nice. No, I'm, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a little suburb and it's, my wife works downtown at the hospital, so it's kind of one of those can't move too far away type of things. Yeah, no joke. Well, she is the prime person to what is that change to your guys' like daily life with her working at the hospital and all the crazy She's life? actually we've been lucky, man. She's she's a nurse practitioner in neurology, so she runs a she's in a clinic. Um, not like acute care or anything like that. So she actually you know, I've got my home office for work anyway. And she she's in the bedroom seeing patients on like you know, their equivalent of Zoom or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, doors locked and you can't go in and keep the kids quiet. And, yeah, so it's, it's been kind of unique. But fortunately, she's not uh, front lines, quote unquote. Just, you know, does it from home now. So, that's good, man, because yeah, yeah, it's been a good. wild. Yeah, it's, been, it's been good. So, 
But uh, I think like everybody else, man, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not used to being cooped up at, at home with, with my job, and it's, uh, we have been, so I'm, I'm normally out traveling and covering two states and uh, for, for my company, and can't do that now, so it's just sit at home. Man the phones, man the computer. So I actually had somebody at work ask me, they were like, you know, somebody from, I don't remember, probably from our Nashville office, we were talking, they were like, you get a lot of duck holes built since, since you're at home all the time? And I was like, is that, is that a trick question? No, I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> My shop time actually hasn't increased with this pandemic. not the same, because I'm, I'm honest enough that I don't take the company time to build duck holes. So, it was funny. That's too freaking funny. Well, and it's like, I don't know. I find, you know, I get time off during like a holiday or something like that, a long weekend, kind of like Memorial Day that we just had. And it's like all that time leading up to it that I know that I'm going to be off. I'm like, all right, sweet. I'm going to knock out some calls. I'm going to do some podcasts. I'm going to get all this stuff done. And then it comes time to do it. And I'm like, I just kind of want to chill. You know, it's funny, Chris. I'll get... I, I, I kind of go in spurts, you know. I mean, I've got a pretty long backlog, so it's just, you know, there's always calls to build. And it, it's just kind of how quick I can turn through them, and I try and stay on pace. But I found, you know, because, you know, you promise a guy two years ago it's going to be two years, and you don't want it to be two and a half, you know. So it's it's kind of one of those where I'll, I'll, I'll have a weekend and just, like, hit it hard or, you know, build several calls in a day or something and just, just mm-hmm. go on to dark. And then I'll go a week and not build a call. Or, you know, you get, occasionally you get that one customer that just drives you absolutely nuts and it's like a speed bump. You know, like this huge <laughs> speed bump that's hard to get over. Right. And those just kind of sometimes take the wind out of your sails. At least that's the way I am. So it's, if, you know, if everything's going positive and, you know, everybody's communicating, knows what they want, here you go, let's do it, build it, I'm good. <laughs> it's, it's the slowdowns that are tough. So I'm, I'm unpredictable when it comes to how, how much I'm in the shop. I used to be in it a lot more, but, you know, like I said, traveling for my real job, um, things like that, you know, it gets in the way of shop time. It definitely does. You know, if I'm hoteling it somewhere, it's like I can't build a call from the hotel. So catch up on, you know, keeping the books clean and paperwork and emails and things like that during that stuff i suppose yeah and it's like you know i can imagine especially as long as your wait list is i always know myself that i hate that feeling it's trying to manage that workload versus staying happy and giving you know the kids the spouse the, yeah. the everything yeah. time that when you're like man i'm having fun i'm out here on a walk and playing hiking doing whatever and it's like i know i have a list of calls at home and how hard has that been for you to manage um well i mean i won't say it hasn't been hard i mean i've always pretty successfully managed it um you know i i want to keep my word to anybody that i get on my waiting list and tell them hey i'll build your call i always kind of shoot from the hip and say hey i think it's gonna be you know like the calls i'm building right now i was telling those people 26 months and i'm at about i think i'm building i'm probably 27 months you know, so I'm pretty dang close. Yeah, that's you know, pretty close, two years It's out. pretty close for, for over two years. <laughs> yeah, so, if you work for the government, you'd be you try and sick. You try and be, you know, at least keep your word on that. You know, and not just, you know, yeah, they're waiting a long time, but by God, they're waiting the length I want them to wait. You know, or that it, 
that I had told them they'd have to wait, you know. So it's uh, that's been the biggest burden for me is staying on pace. You know, dude, I had a knee replacement last March. And it's like you lose a month, month and a half in the shop. And it's like, so I just burn the midnight oil to catch up on that just to be able to keep my word to those folks. So it's, uh, I won't say it's hard to manage. It took a long time to get it dialed into where I knew how long it was going to take. So um, I'm getting to, I haven't taken an order since March of 18. So, and I'm building March of 18 orders right now which is kind of exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, you feel um, good. You're finally getting to the top of the book. Dude, like, man. I, like 100, I probably had 100, 120 orders in March of 18. Oh so it's God. like, it's a big pile still. But I'm telling people, you know, this fall, I'm going to probably be pretty well done with it. And I'm so stoked <laughs> to not have a huge backlog. And I mean, I love building calls. And I'll always build calls, but I will never ever let myself get that kind of backlog again. yeah i um, saw a post recently where you were talking about maybe going more towards the ernie style of now you know it's kind of i'm trying to i'm trying to balance it because i get emails every day chris from people going hey man i want to get on your list when can i get on your list i want to get a call from my kid you know whatever it is and and i dig that and those are the ones i love building you know those are those guys that you know they genuinely want to call and I, I want to be able to accommodate that, and I want to be able to build them what they want. So I don't I don't think I'll go Ernie style. I may incorporate some Ernie style, where there will probably be some calls I want to build, getting built. Maybe, you know, I, I kind of joked with, uh, I was talking to Mac Dietrich the other night, and it's like, I've got a four-foot rod of golden oak pearl acrylic that is still like four feet long. It's been in my shop for probably seven or eight years, and nobody ever orders calls from it. I told him I only make like ten calls out of that and put them up and put them up for sale. You know, right? So stuff like that. <laughs> well, that's cool. like, that's hey, the good. That's the good thing about having that backlog is you can just right. order up some acrylic and then by the time you get to come around yeah. to when they've discontinued it, it sparked. <laughs> Sitting here looking at my Casey Red, my orange stash as we speak. Yeah, so, right. Not, some which, jade, which on. is not being sold. Um, so. Um, <laughs> No, it's, uh, I think what I'll probably do, and I've, I've been, I've kind of used a lot of my, my call making friends and sounding boards on this, and, and ultimately I kind of put it on the Facebook page here what, a week or so ago, and my hope is to kind of do a, 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 I don't know, I, I don't want it to be mysterious, how to get a call from me. I don't want it to be like cloak in secrecy or when's he going to open the books or how do you get on the list so I think what I'm going to do in order to make it as fair as I can because you know everybody hey send me an email when you start taking orders and it's like dude I have seriously I probably have 400 emails that say that and I, I just can't <laughs> so it's like no I can't do it that way so what I'll probably do is just kind of use use the e-commerce feature on the website to be able to kind of put a PayPal button on it and, and I don't know how I'll do it, you know, sell spots for 25 cents a piece or something. And, you know, maybe once a month or every three weeks or how, whatever interval we decide or I decide to do it, I'll kind of evaluate it and go, hey, I'm comfortable taking 15 orders, you know, or two orders or 12 orders or 80 orders or whatever it is. And essentially kind of load, preload that many spots in at a quarter a piece, you know, limit one type of thing. 
and everybody will know what times they're going to come available. It'll be, you know, I'll say whatever third Thursday of the month or whatever it is at five o'clock or, you know, just, and that, then it's kind of luck of the draw, you know, at the end of the day, it's, but everybody has the same chance, you know, and that, that's, I hope someday the demand is not there to where this is a problem. <laughs> right, right. Because I'd lo- I'd like to learn to check her. I'd like to you know have the, you know be able to do that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of one of those things. That, um, hopefully, you know I love I love that there's a demand, and I hope it persists to some degree. But um, ultimately, hopefully, this will get you know some of these guys that that are, have been waiting pretty patiently to to try and get on the list, and at least give a fair crack at doing that without. <laughs> without it being a secret society. Yeah, you know. I, I really... Uh, you, know, you know, there's those guys that, that are just, you know, resentful of certain callmakers because they can't get on the list. And it's like, dude, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I just want, you know, I just want everybody to get a fair crack at it. Yeah, I really like that idea of having that set day of the month, every first Wednesday or whatever right, at 5 right. p.m. Because... I remember, you know, when Ron at RM, he, yep. it was a couple of years ago, and he does, you know, similar to you, he doesn't want to mess with all the headache of all the books and stuff like that. I've never talked to him, so I don't want to speak for him. But um, that headache of how to take, when you have so many guys that are hitting you up and so many different people that yep. are wanting to do it, how do you find a fair system? And um, I know that there were guys that were getting emails every time his website changed. They were getting like sure. text alerts, and that's sure. how they were getting on his his oh, list really? once a year, <laughs> getting a yeah. text alert. Hey, he opened up his books, or you know. And it's like, man, that's just right. such a headache. I can't even. Well, imagine. it's funny, Chris, because there's there's guys that have tons of my calls. I mean, I've got collectors that got twenty plus calls, and I think that's okay. Because if, if you were to look at my books, you'd see that those guys are on my list, you know, once a month. You know, honestly, for us, for a call or two. And back when I was just taking open orders, as many as, you know, it was fair. It, it truly was. And if those guys want 20 calls, fine. You know, you have mm-hmm. to get in line a bunch of times because I ain't going to build somebody 20 calls at once. I won't do it. But because you talk about a big speed bump, it's like, yeah, yeah no that's a slowdown. So, but, uh, no, I'm hopeful. I, I got really good feedback from the people on Facebook page, um, on, on, on my Wingers Woodworks page, that, that people were pretty darn positive about it, about this way. And it's like, okay, cool. Which ultimately, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the Nazi anyway. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to piss everybody off. I really don't. So it's like, at the end of the day, um, hopefully it works. We're going to, I'm going to have to work with. Uh, the web server post people and figure out that e-commerce thing again. I did it years ago when I had CNC calls, but um, it's been a while, so I think it, I think it'll work. Yes, sir. It's really funny that we were talking about this at this point in the night because Mr. Ernie just texted me <laughs> and I was setting up his podcast and he was like, all right, well, let me know literally uh, as you were saying that. Does Ernie know what a podcast is? <laughs> He's like, well, I'm not really sure what a, what to do. And I was like, oh, don't worry. It's too e- it's too easy. It's a phone is call. That, is, that one, is, is that on the TikTok or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Well, Ernie's one of my dearest friends. He's uh, so I can hand shit on him. But yeah, he's uh, 
he's good people, man. So he is. So, but yeah, he builds. Ernie builds what Ernie wants to build, and I respect him for it, man. Uh, he he doesn't. You don't put an order in with Ernie. You know, that's that's which which yeah, God bless him, and, and it works for him. And you know, there's there's such demand for his calls for good reason, and I, I think it's I think it's a great system for him, but. Like I said, it, I don't think it is for me. I, I think I'm going to have to do some kind of hybrid thing, but somewhere in the middle of between what Ernie does and what I'm doing now. You I, know? I was talking to Channing, I think it was. Or I don't remember. Maybe it was Mike Meredith. And, uh, oh, man, I just did a podcast and didn't mention Meredith and Ostevic. God, I, I mention them every single podcast, and they have it like almost a mini drinking game with it. So they got both of theirs this time. But... um. It was one of those two cats, and they were, I think, Mr. Easton, uh, Mr. Easton uh, told them some advice where he was saying, turn, you know, your book calls three or four days a week, and then do whatever you want a day or two a week, and that just gives you that creative freedom to, you know, not get killed by the books, weighed down by them. True, and it's and it's an outlet for you know the artist in you that wants to build something that you know maybe maybe nobody's ordering or maybe you know it's like I've I've, I've been building calls since '08. I've never stippled a call before. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like someday I want to take that on, and it's it's going to be a project or something. If somebody ordered a stipple call right now, I'm probably going to tell them no. But because I I got to get it to a level where I'm comfortable with it, and I like <laughs> and I like what I'm putting out. So I don't want to use somebody as my guinea pig, but yeah, just being able to take a little time to yourself and you know I want to spin up a turkey call every now and then, things like that, just you know for a friend or whatever. So be able to have some fun cut loose. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, right? So, you are one of the guys that has been, that's still active in the uh, the whole call market that's going on right now. You're one of the guys that's been around the longest. You have some of the most experience. I told people in the intro, I was like, if I have a finish question or is this going to work question, I always, always ask you or tag you because if you say it, I take it as, as you know, Bible because... I'm not you're the way that you've always shot with me and I've seen you shoot with other guys is you don't waste time. You're not going to waste their time by sending them down some nonsense road. You know, you're you're up front and um you're just one of the guys that has really given a lot of advice just doing through the well, years. I don't know how I even got to this point of it. <laughs> no, I I think well, I mean, here's the deal. Uh, I mean, there are things that guys will ask me I mean I, anymore I get asked all the time how do you build a whistle what's your dimensions or whatever and, and you don't get answers out of me on that well yeah that's crazy but there's no point in letting somebody you know struggle with trying to figure out why their spar varnish won't dry on their cooking well you right. know what I mean so it's like help to me help those guys out um, my buddy Vince uh, Vector Custom Calls he, he told me one time or I saw him post one time he was just like a candle doesn't lose anything by lighting another candle I always thought that was a pretty cool way to look at it. And, you know, when I first started turning, it was to turn turkey calls. And I just bought this lathe. I had no idea how to use it. I've never used a lathe in my life. I've been a woodworker forever, but I've never used a lathe. And uh, it was on the, the Sawmill Creek Woodworking Forum. I was asking what were obvious newbie dumbass questions, you know, <laughs> more than likely. And we're back in, like, 
07 probably-ish, I'm guessing. And this old man said, hey, I'm in Kansas City. He goes, you, you get you a bunch of chunks of wood, and I will come to your shop, and I will teach you for a few hours what I know. And I thought, okay, well, that's pretty cool. And this old man drove over. And it was a one-time deal. He was just a quick, it was a, it was a turning lesson out of a guy that just had nothing, he had no reason to help me. You know what I mean? And it, nothing to do with calls. It was just turning fundamentals, sharpening, how to, how to wield a gouge, things like that. You know, what certain gouges were for and where I was going wrong and just making shapes. And I picked up so much off that guy and I've never forgot that. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, I don't want to say I'm paying that forward, but I guess it kind of am. You know, helping somebody like that when he really had nothing to gain from helping me other than helping me. And there's stuff, like I said, Chris, there's stuff I will not help with. Um, and, and that's usually to be the guys that are looking for the quick answers. Yeah, you know? and that's but, something that, you know, that quick answer nonsense you're not going to find a call maker that's going to that's going to share that because yeah. the people that have gone through and put the work in and try to figure stuff out and just spent a lot of time burning up wood you know that's right. the only way to really learn it and yeah the but guys, you can put a guy on a path yeah you know exactly. you can give him enough to to work towards success without just giving away everything exactly know? and that i don't have it. a secret in, in a duck whistle that you can't that you can't steal from me for 75 bucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Seriously. And a bandsaw. Cut it in half. And, and you'll know everything you ever needed to know about a call that I make. And that's true of anybody in this business. You know? I mean, if you want to copy a tone board, you can copy a tone board. If, if you can sleep at night, good on you. You know? And, and we all know that happens. You know? But it's... I think the, the craftsmen and most guys, the, the, the guys that you know, all of us respect aren't those kind of guys, you know? So it's, uh, uh, you hope that that guy is somewhere inside everybody that's getting started and you help them out a little bit, you know? So. Yeah. And what I, what I've talked to other guys about and, um, is really the difference that when you, in your call making is anybody can sit there and sand on something. And if you, you make a few swipes at a time, you might yeah. eventually strike gold. You know, you, you might catch luck and strike gold. The difference is being able to diagnose a problem with a call. And that's where it really separates from, you know, you know what the hell you're doing. When you can diagnose a problem with a tone board. I'm not a whistle guy. I don't know anything about whistles. But I, I assume it's very similar to figuring it, it out. Is. I mean, I, I, would, I would never tell you that building a whistle is as hard as building a good duck call. A good duck call. Um, but it's, you know, there's, there's definite, uh, there's things I can look at and I can tell you how a guy's whistle sounds by looking at it a lot of the time. Um, a lot of time I can't, but, well, yeah, it's, you, you learn those tweaks, you learn what works, what doesn't, you, you come up with, with your own unique methods and design even. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people look at my whistles and go, oh, it's an Iverson whistle. Eh, it looks a little like an Iverson whistle until you really examine it and you start counting holes you know, and things like that. And, uh, they blow totally different and they run different. They use a different amount of air. So it's just like, you know, I could, I could turn a call that looks like a, a Brad Samples call, but it ain't going to sound like a Brad Samples call. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. So, and how many yeah. damn different ways can you shape a piece of wood or acrylic? You know, <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, I always kind of liken it to like, 
you know, everybody's like, oh, you can't reinvent the wheel. But it's like, dude, look amongst all the wheel companies and how everybody's always coming out with something different. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you can make your own thing. You truly can. You know, it's just, it, you may not completely reinvent it. So, but, uh, now nah, it's just finding, finding that thing that, that, uh, that works for you and, and works for your customers and works for everybody else and, you know, sticking with it, I think, and maybe refining it a little bit. So, so how did you, uh, you land on whistles that that's always interesting. The whistle guys are always interesting to me. Dude, I like tripped on whistles and fell into it is what I did. I was, uh, (laughs) what I, what I set out to do was build turkey calls and that's really kind of how I got my start and I built a thousand of them. You know, I mean, honestly, it was a heck of a lot of turkey calls for a long time and built a pretty decent name up for, for, for turkey calls and, and had a had a little waiting list. And, I mean, it was it was pretty fun. And I sold them on archerytalk.com, of all places. You know, was, I've always been like a, a, a bow shooter into archery and competitive archery and stuff. So it was somewhere I was hanging out anyway. And, they you know, they had a classified section. And I started selling them, and they just kind of grew in popularity there. So, yeah, it was turkey calls forever. And uh, I was tinkering. You know, I've duck hunted since college and uh, had got in, you know, and goose hunted. And, of course, so it was like this natural progression of wanting to make a duck call. And I was making, you know, I, I made a few really good ones and a lot of turds, you know. And <laughs> of course. I even sold some, which yeah, it's, it's like that thing where, you know, a lot of those I'd really like to have them back because I'm, you know, that's, just that's the number one thing I hear from every call maker I oh, talk yeah. to, and yeah. I would like to have about 150 back of my own personally. Yep, yeah. 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 and I mean it's a lot of why I don't. I kind of figured I'm going to get in where I fit in, and I'm an okay duck call blower. I am not a great call blower, so it's kind of like, and I, I believe in order to build a great duck call, you better be able to blow up great. And so I, I, I kind of plateaued. And I built as good a call as I could possibly blow, and it, could, it would run it as good as I could run it. But it was lacking when you compare it to these upper, upper echelon guys, you know. And I wasn't okay being like an 80th percentile call, or, or 70th or 60th or whatever, you know. It was just, I wasn't okay with that. It was just like, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to build a whistle. I'd always use like one of those little blow molded plastic like Buck Gardner whistles, you know. Yeah, you know, with, and I had the old Duck Commander, the big green tube one, um, and I used the heck out of them, and I killed birds with them. I'm like, man, I wonder if I could build a custom whistle. At the time, I won't say there wasn't anybody building whistles because I mean, you had like uh, Jacob Hire at Foul Weather was doing some like uh, his like wonderful whistles, um, but there wasn't really anybody doing like custom one-off type of whistles much. You know, I mean, a lot of guys, or a few guys, I shouldn't even say a lot, there were a few that kind of did them as a side gig. Um, and it was just like, hey, there's maybe a niche here, and I started tinkering with it. And I cannot, I cannot remember the guy's name. I was thinking about it earlier tonight. Um, there's a guy who's a Coast Guard guy out on the East Coast, and he hit me up on THO for help with a turkey call. He was struggling with his turkey call and said, you know, I just do not understand what I'm doing. And I'd seen he'd built a couple whistles. And I was like, hey, I've been tinkering with whistles. Why don't we do a little trade? Because I, I was I was struggling with the tone board, the wedge, and, and, and how, the, how to best configure that. 
I said, you send me an unassembled whistle and I'll send you an unassembled turkey call. And I'll show you everything I do on the inside and I want to at least understand the properties of a whistle. And he sent me like this really rough cedar, you know, just banged it out really quick, you know, whistle. And it's like, okay, the light came on and I'm like, all right, here's what I need to, and I, I still have looking at that call right now on my shelf. And I mean, it's like, I'm, you know, it, it looks nothing like what I, what I make. It sounds like nothing like what I make, but it helps me understand the principle, you know, that I was missing. And uh, sometimes that's all it takes. And it's like, he kind of put me on the path to understand it. And I got him on the path to getting his turkey call right and started tinkering and making them. And, and, you know, it was just, it's been an evolution. I look at some of those old ones and they, I think they're kind of silly looking, but (laughs) (laughs) they were skinny at first and then they got really fat and then they got really long. I mean, it's just, you know, you'll see that in some of these lineups and some of my my bigger collectors, you know, their, their calls, they ain't all the same. You can tell I don't measure. <laughs> so, but and it just kind of, it, it, a couple, you know, a couple of years of that, and it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And then uh, Wildfowl Magazine called me and um, he said, hey, he goes, I'm wanting to do a, an article on custom whistlemakers. I was like, cool, all right. He goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, uh, you know, I've, I've heard your name and, uh, you know, wanted to, wanted to, you know, kind of feature a few different calls and, and yours included. And I was like, that'd be super cool. I was excited, you know, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, he goes, but I got a problem. And I'm like, all right, what's the problem? And he says, he goes, I've called like 10 people and everybody's giving me your name. He goes, I can't just do an article about you. <laughs> You're like, I was sure like, you oh, can. dude, I'll give you everybody I know that does whistle. <laughs> so I gave him a bunch of names, and they did a they did an article called "Whistle While, you, While They Work," and it's a uh, it's just a lineup of you know uh, like Robert Asbell and a few guys that um, a, a lot of guys that that aren't in the game anymore at all, really, honestly, um, and, and a few guys that are like duck call builders that were kind of doing sideline whistles, but. Um, I think I was kind of first to just do whistles. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and then, yeah, the books exploded from there. And I was going to say, is that the moment when it turned into this monster yep. you have that now? Was, that was when it became, it went from, it went from like a two or three month wait to an eight month wait literally in a week. Yeah, I mean, I was getting 15, 20 orders a day. Yeah, nice. I mean, for a long time. And it, and it yeah, it, and then it just kind of burgeoned. And I mean, you had the refuge. Uh, forum, which I was advertising on the refuge and, and you know duck hunting chat and, and the refuge. This was really kind of before it wasn't before Facebook, but it was before everything migrated from the forums to Facebook. You know what I mean, Chris? So I mean, it was just like the forums were a great selling tool back then, and nowadays I don't think they are, but because uh, they're kind of ghost towns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I told somebody else the other day is I kind of look at call making. I don't, it's probably just myself and uh, the way that I look at it is almost as classes. Like, um, not classes as in like ranking or structure, but the year you started. Like, um, you know, myself, oh, Tyler sure, like Hall. Your, yeah, your, yeah, when you start, yeah. Yeah, myself, Tyler Hall, Mig, um, Will Shelley, all of us started about the same time. And then, you know, you had the the THO guys like yourself. You were an admin of THO, weren't you? I was, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I got on there and yep. I read a lot when I first started. I, I had an account before they disabled, but, I you know, it was 
Right. I was talking to uh, Rodney Hill about it, and I was like, man, that is an encyclopedia of information. Yeah, it broke my heart to see it get shut down. Man. It just truly, it, it just devastated us. That's but, what I was telling him is like, man, yeah. I, I almost wish you could get all the call makers and all of us throw in 10 bucks a month or something just to open that sucker back up and keep that Yeah, thing. I think there were, you know, I, I imagine there were a lot of guys that were willingly taking it on. But it, it costs money to host it. And I'll, I'll be honest, you know, not to shift this to a THO discussion, but I mean, ultimately, I think what killed THO was the fact that you had to use, like, Photo Bucket. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Party. And a lot of forums were that way. They yeah. really were. And when Photo Bucket was, it was, a, it was an inconvenience that everybody lived with, and then it got to where they were charging, and it was just like, no, I'm not going to pay 50 or 100 bucks a year or whatever for photo buck, bucket to host my pictures you know? yeah that's crazy so, and it, it you know it's from a bandwidth standpoint the cost of owning the site and everything else al kept it you know pretty low cost understandably and because you know there were no sponsors or anything like that you know so it was it was uh, kind of on his dime, and um, that can only go on so long. And when the utilization dropped to where it was, it was just kind of, I think, I get it was a natural natural time to, to probably do it. But, boy, to archive that would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it was just, it, it, like I said, it was the call maker's encyclopedia. It, it, was, it was. Anything that had ever question been done you know somebody yep. had already done it and you could see their failures and how it failed and yep. oh my goodness yeah it just uh, just yeah and lots of pictures and tutorials and a lot of that you know like the tutorials and stuff that people actually took time to put a tutorial together a lot of that got migrated over to the facebook page um to the tho facebook page there's a file section so like there's an old duck whistle tutorial from like 06 you know, that some guy did um, on there in the file section. So, I mean, there's tone boards. There's there's all kinds of stuff um, that, that that resource still exists to some degree. But you can't go on and, you know, you can't log on to that site anymore. It's a, it, it, it was a bummer, man. It was. But even as a moderator of that site, I got to where I wasn't even getting on it once a month. You know, it was just kind of like, okay, yeah. It, it, it was just the natural call making went Facebook. Yeah, oh, um, that's a. I'm supposed to have Scott Rowe on here in yeah. the next week or two, and we're going to talk about the evolution of uh, taking it to Facebook and yeah. just the growth of it. But yeah, it just. I'm glad that he's moved it over to Facebook to at least now we can look back at some of those old files. But it's kind of like that call nuts, you know, once a week question, or it used to be two or three times a week or two or three times a day of. Oh God, I was on there so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, even just uh, a, a, a random question, you know, like, hey, yeah. you know, yeah. what do I use to glue this band to a wood call? And it's like, yep. you know, yep. did you look at THO first? And now that's right. not even an answer we can give right. anymore. Well, it was a really new guy friendly forum. Um, and I mean, we bounced a fair amount of guys and probably some guys we both know got bounced out of Facebook or out of THO. Because of, you know, Al was very resolute in the new guys don't get bashed here. You know, they can ask a stupid question and everybody's got to come at them friendly, you know. And that was always a struggle because a lot of us, especially the older I get, the less 
sweet I am, I guess. You know what I mean? It's kind of just like, dude, here's a Google machine. You know, seriously. Yeah, yeah. That's what I always told people. It has two G's, two O's, and an L-E. Use it and then ask your question. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, man. Nah, that, like I said, it kind of comes back to the people wanting the easy, the easy path, the quick answers, you know. Um, we had a, I don't know if you know, I think you do know, because I probably have invited you, but we uh, we do an annual call makers get together at my place, and we've been doing it. It started on THO, and we called it the Turnathon, and it's, it's just kind of stuck, and we've, we've done it every year for, I think, 10 years now. Um, at least nine, probably 10. So, uh, you know, up to 25 people, you know, jammed in my basement, just turning calls, just, you know, blowing duck calls, your ears ring after the weekend. (laughs) But, you know, we had one fellow show up one time, um, and kind of the kind of guy just, he wanted to put a micrometer on everything. You know what I mean? On everybody else's call, everybody else's tone board, and wanted wanted those quick, easy answers. And it was, you know, it was pretty early in his whole call making progression or call making journey, if you will. And you know, he's, he's stabbing echo inserts in barrels and wants to build inserts, but wants wants to know exactly how deep to drill and exactly where to, you know how to curve that tone board and all that and it was just like dude help us help you but i'm not giving you numbers none of us are none of us are we're going to show you how to build a tone board and you're going to fail 20 times but then you're going to figure it out and you're going to be so much better for it and he he resented the fact he couldn't get data and he's he's bounced i mean it was kind of one of those he was vocal about it and it was just like dude i'm sorry that you feel that way but you don't fit in here (laughs) well yeah and it's like if if you're gonna do that not only am i not going to give you the depth or anything else i'm not giving you any help with anything at this point no bingo yeah so but uh that's that's been such the exception though you know it's uh, that that has been such an awesome event and it's so much fun and we we always have had kind of a core group of guys that most you know most of the guys come back every year and or, or every other year if their wives won't let them come every year and it's, it's just <laughs> been a it's you know it's a hoot you know you have Brian Byers over in the corner checkering and you got a guy over you know Brent Hoover painting the turkey call you know like doing fine painting on them and then you know duck whistles and turtle shell calls and I mean you just there's like this you know I got like 800 square feet of shop and there's a guy every 3 square feet doing something different and it's just so fun because I mean I don't care who you are I don't care if you've been doing it for 40 years you will learn something by watching other call makers and even if they've been doing it for 2 years you'll pick up things and go okay here's a that guy's using that tool to do that or he's look how he just did that holy crap I've been making it hard on myself you know and you're not taking anything from him other than just ways to implement what you do and it's it's a, it's just a ball to get I love getting that I'm sure that's why real foot and events like that are so much so highly attended as people I, I think I'm there's a lot of like-minded folks in that in, in this in this craft Well, and that's the thing with talking to so many different call makers and having little intimate conversations like this that I absolutely love. And I've said it on past podcasts, like it's almost 
romantic to me the idea of just so many like-minded people because we're all just we're doers you know there's so many times where people are like oh i wish i could take up this or i wish i could i could do jujitsu or get into boxing and then you, you every call make you ever meet is a guy who is like hell with it i'm gonna throw caution in the wind and i'm gonna get out there and if i screw up oh oh fucking well you know that's just oh, part yeah. of the process yeah. if i screw up i'm gonna be proud of it until i build something that's more kick-ass and I realized that my first one wasn't all that awesome. You know what I mean? Exactly. You've got to have that pride in your stuff, you know, and, and that desire to keep growing. But I completely agree with what you're saying. That's, and uh, I think those those meetups are just so amazing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to come up to your next one. I think you got me invited the year right before I got out of it. And uh, gotcha. yep, yep. I just got back into it so yep. in this last year. So I'm going to have to get up there and I'm going to have to go to Real Foot this year. And it's <laughs> it's those meetups, man. I'm so envious because down here in Springfield, it's just far enough away that, you know, you have Chris. Uh, I can never pronounce his last name. I just pronounce it like I read it. Per- Perringer? Perringer? Oh, Chris Persinger. Yeah, Persinger. yeah, yeah. Persinger. He's up in, like, Columbia. Yep. Yeah, he's an amazing call maker. I've been talking to yep. him for years, but I can yep. never pronounce his well, last like, name. Dude, like, Jason Rode lives in, in Springfield, I think. Does he really? Well, I mean, he's, yeah. He used to be in Columbia. I think he moved to Springfield. No joke. So, I mean, yeah. Um, I actually bought a metal lathe here a few months ago from a guy down at Nixa. Which is just south of Springfield. That's where I live now is Nixa. Okay. So there's an old man that lives on like the south end of Nixa that buys refurb, or he buys like damaged grizzly machines. Yeah, yeah. I've seen his stuff all the time on the uh, marketplace. Dude, go to his shop. (laughs) He sells them for nothing too. Oh my gosh, stole that machine. Yeah, he said it took three machines to build it. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with this machine at all. So I, I go, well, I call him on the phone. Uh, I remember I looked him up or somehow I'm trying to figure out who I'm dealing with because it looked like he's running a business, right? Right. And I, uh, the last thing I want is a lathe with a twisted bed or something. So I kind of tried to figure him out a little bit. And uh, I told him, I'd, you know, I built duck calls and all that. And he, he goes, I built duck calls. He's an old man. I'm like, no way. And he's like, yep, yep. So we get to chat and all that. And I, I wind up, I don't remember how I did this. I think I looked him up online or something like that because he's got a website that shows some of these calls. And they're like the most intricate, um, oh, what do you call it? Like um, glued together. I'm, I'm, I can't think of it. Segmented? Brickwork type of brickwork. Yeah, segmented, okay. yeah. Um, where he inlays like letters and, you know, does like pool cue type of stuff in them. But just insane, really cool, high level inlay. So I get back on the phone with him, said, hey, I'm going to drive down to Nixon and see this lady. And I was just like, Man, you, you've got to show me one of these duck calls, too. I'm a duck call guy. You know, I, I'm hopeful that you'll show me what you got. And he goes, I will show you everything I got, but I will not teach you a bit about how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, easy, big fella. I ain't trying to learn how to do it. You're like, yeah, I'm trust a, me. I've got a waiting list long enough. It, I just want to admire your craftsmanship, you know, come on. But, uh, no, that, that old boy has, has a mach- you know, machinery in that shop that would impress anybody in the entire call-making world. I mean, he's got, it's all metalworking, and it is high-level metalworking stuff. And 
it was it was it's a cool shop to walk through, Chris. So yeah, you ever get to, I would I would definitely check it out. Yeah, just being so. down the road, Nick's is about like three miles long. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is. Uh, he, uh, he showed me an NWTF call, and he's not an NWTF call fan, you can tell. But he uh, he had entered and this of course this is his version of the story, but he'd entered this brickwork call in, and apparently kind of got he claims he was kind of backdoor uh accused of using like those those little strip inlays you could buy for guitars and things like that you know people right. are saying you use the manufactured inlay and so the next year he inlaid like 2008 or 2006 or whatever it was nwtf and the little tiny ducks in it like little brickwork ducks like the just tiny little pixelated square ducks and he goes, I don't think you'd buy a duck inlay. <laughs> yeah, no joke. It's a, almost a giant pixelated middle finger. Yeah, the next year was a, was a, was a total middle finger to whoever told you know accused him of that. It was just, it was, it was pretty funny. I had to laugh at it, but yeah, definite, definite skill set I do not possess. That's just that. There's some guys, man, that are putting out calls that, especially now with all this COVID quarantine stuff, oh, yeah, that yeah. I just look at it and I'm like. I do not have the patience. Oh, I'll tell you who's made who's done better than anybody else in this whole thing, and that's freaking Brian with those checkering cradles. <laughs> yeah. He's probably selling a few of those. Oh my yeah. god, everybody and their brother. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, my friend Chris Corso out in uh, North Carolina is, uh, you know, he, he tinkers in call making and, and he's pretty damn good at it, honestly. And, uh, He's gotten into the checkering during the pandemic. <laughs> he's been posting up pictures of what he's doing, and it's just—it's—it's it's, it's fantastic. It's in one of Brian's cradles, but yeah, it's yeah. Everybody working from home, they—you uh, find time on your hands, I guess. Well, so. yeah, and it's like everybody went from zero to a hundred like in two months, and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> the people that are still working full time, I'm like, oh, now I'm this much further, uh, this many more things to learn. Yeah, no, I'm pretty much, uh, I'm unoriginal. I'm still just building good old dead whistles. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, not, not much changing down here at my shop. Well, that's myself, man. I keep, I'm a damn workaholic. You know, like I said, I got up at 5 a.m. and we're looking at 11 now. And it's like, uh, I'm still thinking about kicking on the lathe after we get off here. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Uh, usually there's just not enough time in the day to do all that stuff. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, my, you know, sh- between that and shipping calls and printing labels and all that, and oh, answering emails, and I spend a half hour every day answering emails. Well, hell, it's not even hunting season yet either. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> right? Well, and that's another thing I've heard. If you want to cut down your hunting time, and I've experienced it full time, yeah, full, get into yeah. a freaking waterfowl industry. No, it's, uh, there's fact in that. I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I just turned 45. I'm not as bad at the ducks as I was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Uh, so I, I hunt a lot less than I used to. Um, and I honestly, shop time uh, is, I won't say it's as fun, but it's, I, I have a hell of a good time down here at the shop. I enjoy it. So it's a, it's a disconnect for me, just like hunting would be, you know? So it's kind of like recreation. So I figure if I if I'm not going to be out in the marsh, I might as well be in the shop building duck calls and talking duck duck hunting and everything with everybody, and I enjoy that. So I couldn't agree more. You're up in 
Freaking Kansas City. When I first got out of the uh, the Navy back in 2012, I was looking about where I wanted to relocate to. I uh, I highly considered moving down to uh, Tampa. My little brother moved down there from Missouri, and he still lives there. And I was like, there's just not... I'm too far from family if I have kids, and you know, now I do, that they're not going to be able to visit, and can't do any hunting, so I was like, well, hell, Kansas City's bigger than Springfield, there's more opportunity for more things, and uh, I ended up coming back to Springfield, and now, I look at the guys that live in Kansas City, and there's no damn place to hunt that isn't overran by freaking 10,000 people, man. It's horrible, and that's honestly, if you'd have asked me, Aaron, what, what causes you to not hunt as much anymore, that's a big part of it. So I've, you know, honestly, having, I had, we've got twin boys, so I went a few years where they were little, and my wife was working weekends and, and in school and all that, and it was just kind of one of those, um, I, my hunting got cut back pretty significantly. And I, I never really bounced back because I got used to, you know, quality over quantity, get a few really good hunts in a year, you know, or destination hunts or whatever. And uh, the call making has afforded that. Honestly, it has because it's A, it helps fund it, and B, the connections and the friendships you make, you get to do some of those, you know, those those fun hunts. You know, I mean, me and, uh, me and Ken Eason went up and hunted Montana you know, last year with Hunter Lewis and, and our friend Joe. And, uh, you know, Saskatchewan twice with call makers and, and call customers. And it's just, give me a, shit, a Saskatchewan hunt, and then I don't care if I hunt the rest of the dang season. You know? I mean, it's just, uh, to me, it's it's get some good quality hunts in every year. And, and I, the 20-year-old Aaron was happy going out three times a week into busy, busy, busy public ground and, you know, an hour south of Kansas City where, where a lot of us hunt. And, you know, humping decoys 6,000 yards out into the flooded crap. And uh, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm not that mad at him anymore. That's right? Nice. Well, uh, that was like when I first got out and, uh, I don't know, it was, I got out in 12 and then I started filming for TV in 15 and 16. And I went from hunting three to four times a week, you know, every Saturday, Sunday, and then I was sneaking in a day or two during the week because I worked second shift and would get up, you know, get off work at 11 o'clock at night, midnight, and then uh, go sleep in the car and go hunt, you know, that morning and (laughs) go back home. And then I went to the point where I was was hunting 100 days a year, 110 days a year from freaking teal to the end of turkey season, and it just got so burnt out. And now I hunt whenever i want you know on the weekends whenever i want if the weather's not good and there's no birds in the area and i'm not hunting with you know if i'm not out there for if it's just a crap shoot you know and it's no s- sentimental anything to it i'm just right. like whatever i'll stay at home and hang out and cook breakfast with the kids <laughs> yeah it's a it's a purely social thing for me i don't know about myself anymore i just don't care to you know it's it's when i go out with my buddies and you know or like i said go go uh go somewhere fun and meet up with everybody and, and hunt that's what i enjoy I, you know i i'm one of those that i don't worry about limits i don't care if i shoot a dang bird i tend to take the camera i like to work the birds i love to call ducks i love to you know just have fun and screw around with everybody and and uh, if we get a few birds in, in the deeps, that's even better, you know. But I don't consider a day where we get skunked even a failure because I'm getting out. 
something different, you know. It's uh, someday when we're all eighty and ninety and won't be able to do it anymore, you know, you'd probably kill for a day like that. <laughs> and so. see, I uh, when I started filming, I'm such a control freak. It was it was you know my show, my idea, my product. So I was a control freak. I wanted to be behind sure. the camera all the time. Because the one time I let somebody else do it, you know, it was like, oh, we're going to miss this shot or it's not going to be filmed the way I want it. So that's where I, most of the, you know, 100 days a year, I'm I'm filming a lot of it. And uh, it was like I got into the call making aspect of it. So then I wanted to be working calls and filming. And it was like, I'm just happy to be out there. The only time it really kills me is we do a lot of local honker hunting down here because our right. ducks are just non-existent. They, right. they, they've pushed so far over to Joplin and further uh, west than over in this part of you know Springfield area. And uh, we'll have these local honker hunts, and we scout those things like super hard. We know them. We have a lot of the area around Springfield locked down. Right. Like instead of going to Four Rivers or Shell or anything like that, we'll go and we'll hunt private stuff. And if there's a farmer that's putting up a cornfield in May, I'm gonna go talk to him in May, and I'm gonna lock up his property. And then I'm gonna go talk to his neighbor, and I'm gonna lock up her property for the next year or something like that. And we'll hunt these local honker feeds of you know 200, 300. Nothing that sounds amazing to anybody else, but for six guys, you know that's that's a bang up hunt. You can rotate through all year if you have four or five of them and we'll go scout these things and if if we put in the work to scout these things and have them lined out and they don't work out that's when i'm like i don't even know why the hell i do this anymore i could be turning calls i could be at home in bed <laughs> my, my wife wouldn't be mad at me exactly yeah yeah i get it now i remember when my wife was uh when she was pregnant with our twins, uh, they were born on December 4th. And I, I'm going to say like the last week in November, she's due, you know. Oh, and God. I was down at Meredithine Wildlife Area. And, I, you know, with that Meredithine, you have to sign in and sign out. Mm-hmm. And um, I, remember, I mean, it was kind of one of those, I can I can be down there in like 45 minutes. And I was, I had talked to the, the, the land or the manager that with the state and kind of, I went in, I talked to him. I said, look, Ben, my wife's about to drop twins any minute. And if I get that phone call, signing out of your place ain't going to be the first thing. <laughs> right. Phone. You know, FYI, I just wanted to kind of pre-approach you. I'm down here, you know, I'm hunting, but that could happen. And I just want to kind of get pre-approval. And he was just like, "Well, I don't know if I can get permission for that." I was like, "Well, you'll have to t- you'll have to write me a ticket then." But just FYI, that may happen, and I'm trying to proactively come to you, you know. And then I kind of realized, man, this is probably not the smartest thing to be down here, you know. Hunting well, while she's about ready to have kids, but so I, uh, and that that probably marks the point where I gave up, you know, college era Aaron that was just wanting to hunt constantly. And uh, kind of transitioned into hunt when I can, Aaron. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> so the way it goes, brother. I blame, I blame them kids. Yeah. So, but. Uh, well, brother, I will uh, let you get off here, finish up some more work, man, and 
I think I'm gonna get off here and hit the hay. I don't know if I'm gonna mess around with calls. It depends on what what the little lady's doing when I uh, head inside. <laughs> if she's asleep, <laughs> I might convince myself. I might make some coffee off. and come back. You're out. gonna walk in all sheepish, and she's gonna be mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I go to the shop, man. That's the best thing about having a shop. My wife thinks there's spiders down here, and she don't come down here, so it's it's fantastic. So. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I enjoyed chatting with you, and I appreciate the opportunity, and and uh, definitely downloading the podcast for those long drives for work. So uh, keep it, keep doing it, brother. I appreciate it, man. That's where I uh, I really got into it because I'm on the road ten hours a day. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. you run well, out of stuff to, to listen to get, real quick. You kind of, you know, these guys you kind of know casually through Facebook or through an occasional phone conversation or whatever. It's kind of cool. You get to know them a little bit. I, I, I enjoy that. You know, it's even listening, talking, you know, listening to somebody talk duck calls is better than talk radio all day long. You know? Well, I agree. And it's stuff like this that I really, I enjoy as much as making calls. I don't yeah. know if it's more than, but it's, it's pretty close and what I find really interesting is talking to guys like you that have been doing it for so long and, uh, you know, like Brad and just different stuff like that and finding the same struggles and stuff that I've had. And I've had call makers that have been turning for a couple months hit me up and they're like, hey, man, I'm, I'm glad to hear, you know, it's not just me. Everybody, you know, has gone through the same thing. It's like you said. It's it's just whatever class you're in, you know. Whatever, whatever. Like you said, you're graduating class for for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah, you know, it's it's a progression and different stages of it. So I think that's uh, natural, and I think that means you're doing it right. You know, if because yeah, there, there is no overnight success in this. If you they, at least come about the honest way, you know. So it is. Uh, it's it's a grind, and it's it's fun if you make it fun. <laughs> well, what has been your most something that sticks out in your mind? Your most memorable call or? Oh, okay. Um, so I got put together with a group, and we're going back ten years, probably back into the turkey call days. Um, I got put together with a group called uh, through a customer of mine called Quantico Injured Military Sportsmen. Uh, association, I think it was like Q- QIMCA or Q- QIMCA or something anyway. So they're on uh, Quantico, uh, Virginia, on uh, on the, the Marine base there, and they basically go into Walter Reed Medical Center. And this was this was the height of the war. I mean, it truly was. You know, you got Afghanistan just blowing and going at the time, and they go in and pluck injured Marines out of this they're like the rehab units or wherever you know these guys that have been injured and they drag them out in the field wrapped in blankets or whatever accommodations they need and they take them hunting and then they take them back to walter reed and put them back in the hospital but it gets them out you know what i mean so i did um i don't remember two or three turkey calls and basically you know kind of donated and said hey give these to whatever whatever kid uses them you know and that was it. You know, the, the customer of mine that, that had kind of looped me in with him was a Marine and was very active in, in uh, you know, helping this organization and facilitating these hunts. And I don't know, six, eight weeks later, I, I probably still have it somewhere. I got a letter from um, a young Marine who had lost both legs, uh, stepped on mine, lost both mm-hmm. legs. 
and basically he killed he killed his first turkey with my call and he didn't have to write me a letter he really didn't man and he wrote me this letter and dude i mean i sat there and i choked up so hard reading this kid's letter and i was just like you know just totally respectful thank you sir i appreciate it you know he wasn't into turkey hunting before this was you know like a taste of normal life for him and he he was in Walter Reed Hospital. It's time. You know what I mean? So I was just like, dude, that's that's freaking cool. So that was definitely, from a business standpoint, it didn't do anything. But from a feel-good standpoint, man, it was, I was sky high. Yeah, so that's probably the most memorable. Um, I'd say second most memorable is I got a turkey call order from James Earl Kenimer, who is, uh, who is he's retired now, but the time was the chief biologist the head the head cheese head honcho at nwts um he's dr tom in their magazine um you know does like all the dr tom articles and stuff i mean it's kind of like the preeminent turkey wild turkey expert in the whole country and uh he had he had used one of my calls on a hunt uh that one of his biologists had and he ordered one for him and his son i was like dude that's a pretty cool compliment you know and i've got i've got that framed in my shop his letter had a turkey feather in his letter that he sent me this order and he's an old man yeah it was it was so cool but uh so yeah i was pretty proud of that so very, i could go cool. on and on man you know yeah, that's man. what's cool about it that's what's cool about it very so, very cool but uh, all right yeah, yeah well, brother i appreciate you man no nah, anytime i appreciate you i enjoyed chatting with you and you need to get yourself up here next march when we do the call back and get together yes so, sir you put I'm me down we ain't gonna take excuses you come up here we eat barbecue <laughs> for every meal we drink a little bourbon at night it's a hoot, it's a hoot. So, <laughs> well the people that don't know kansas city is the best barbecue in the whole world oh yeah no they, they, the rest of the country doesn't know what it's doing yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've lived all over the country kansas city is yeah. the best barbecue in the whole world Absolutely, it is. I was so, in uh, Virginia. That's, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm 350 pounds, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in Virginia Beach, and uh, I went to this barbecue shop, and I was just look. I had just moved out there, and I was looking for some barbecue, and I found this little bitty shack out there, and went inside, and uh, you know, ordered some some pulled pork and stuff like that, and. I was like, do you have any slaw? And he was like, uh, yeah. And I was like, can you put that on? Put that on there for me. And he was like, you like on the plate? And I was like, no, like on the sandwich. And he's like, you're from the Midwest, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I'm from dessert. And he's like, yeah, I can tell. No, that's funny. No, I uh, we 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 honestly eat barbecue to the point that like everybody's like fighting off gout. Man, it's it's funny. <laughs> uh, it's there's a lot of food drank, a lot of bourbon consumed, a lot of sawdust inhaled. Everybody's hoarse by the end of the weekend. My neighbors are just—it's—it's uh, it's like this this country boy invasion into the into the little hipster suburbs, you know, where you get all these pickup trucks and you get all these fools out there blowing duck calls. And I mean, my neighborhood just don't know what to think of it. It's fantastic. Uh, I think it's, it's just a hoot. So my awesome, wife, man. my wife leaves for the weekend. Pretty much takes the kids, goes to her mother's. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be here if you're not into duck calls. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's those meetups like that, man, that just build another notch in that brotherhood and the closeness. And it it just passes down the tradition. It's it's guys like you that I I really wanted to have on because just the information and stuff, the help that you give to the younger guys and anybody that wants to have it and the meetups like that, that just, 
it's better for everybody. It, it it teaches guys stuff that you've learned throughout the years, and I always try to reach out and uh, help anybody that asks me anything. Yeah. And it's because of the help that I've gotten from guys like you and Brad and you know and Mike and stuff like that. I think the most. I don't. I don't think I'm not. A, I don't think that guys like that are the the exception. Of, yeah, I mean, I think I think generally in call making they're the rule, and there's a few turds out there that won't help anybody with anything. But but honestly, I think most guys in this in this in this craft or business or whatever you want to call it are are pretty helpful. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's cool. And um, I definitely encourage it. And, um, I've I've benefited more than I've ever helped. You know, there's no doubt about it, man. Uh, I believe that. And so it's like, you, you'd be a pretty bad person if you didn't help. <laughs> you right, know, or, right. Paying it forward, pretty, man. Uh, pretty self-centered if you if you kind of look at what you do and go, man, I got here by myself. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You know, it's just, whether it's duck whistles or goose calls or whatever it is, man, you know, you, we're all, we're all kind of, you, you find your way, but you, you see these guys that, they did it before the internet. That, that, those guys are a little different than, than you and me. You know, we had we had the internet to, to make it a smaller world for us. Where those guys had, you know, local. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that's and, a whole uh, different game. Our learning curve steeper, no doubt about it. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, brother, and I hope you have me a good too, night, Chris, man. No, enjoyed talking with you, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again sometime. Thanks, buddy. Bye, buddy. See you. Take care, man. All right, guys, that was Aaron Wingard of Winger Woodworks up in Kansas City, Missouri. I hope you guys all enjoyed listening. Make sure that you jump on to uh, iTunes, leave us a review. And um, for the guys that don't have iTunes, I guess you can always jump on and share episodes. That still gives you an entry into the Duck Call giveaway. This is episode 21, so you will have uh, a couple more. I want to wrap it up by May and give it away by May. That doesn't mean we're wrapping up the podcast. That just means I want to give the call away by the end of May. So uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in. And uh, keep sharing, keep following. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have. It's it's 11.15. So have a good one.